0: www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for The Bible Live to P.O.
1: Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218
2: Welcome to The Bible Live
3: Quiz Hour yeah! Yeah! It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year
2: on Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour.
3: Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leaders. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple.
2: So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of The Bible Live,
3: your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar.
1: Thank you so much for joining us tonight for The Bible Live. Stacy is here with me and uh, the lovely (laughs) Stacy. Hello, Father. (laughs) Here we are. Uh, And we are here with you, hoping that you'll join us in the broadcast this evening. Our phone number is 210 340 9585. I'll repeat the number throughout the program. Uh, If ever something comes to your mind or heart that you'd like to share, Uh, about the scriptures that's what the bible live is all about we're talking and making our way every year through the entire bible since 2001 we've been doing this almost 20 years making our way through the scriptures and you can hear the scriptures i will read them to you in uh, 15 to 20 minute bible readings uh that you can hear on our podcast com. just go to com and click on our podcast and you there you have before you all of the readings the 15 to 20 minute readings from the scriptures and you can essentially there read the in, hear the entire bible every year of course our our plan has been to read through the entire bible every year for all these years now, about 20 years. Uh, but you can double up. You can go twice as fast and read through the Bible, hear the Bible in six months or, or faster. Or, In other words, you can go at your own pace, uh, but the Bible is there for you for you to be able to just listen, uh, take notes if you'd like, or journal your way through the Bible. Uh, you can do that at thebiblelive.com. You can also find our podcast at AM630, The Word. Dot com am630theword.com. That's the uh, website of this great station here in San Antonio, South Texas. So um, you can go there as well and click on the podcast, go down to the Bible Live, and uh, there you'll find, again, all of these readings throughout the entire Bible. Now, this past week, Stacy, what book are we reading?
3: Isaiah. <laughs> All right,
1: the great, great prophet yeah. Isaiah. Uh, just astounding. Any of these, any of the prophets, and we and we talked it, it, at length last week about the role of these prophets. Now, now that we're getting into the reading from the the, the Prophets in the Hebrew Scriptures, Isaiah, Jeremiah. Uh, this coming week, we'll finish the book of Isaiah on Monday, just one more uh, reading from the book of Isaiah. And then on Tuesday, uh, if you go to our uh, website, com, you'll notice there that uh, the reading for Tuesday is Jeremiah chapters 1 through, I believe, 4 or so. Mm-hmm. So we start the book of Jeremiah. Uh, Isaiah, Jeremiah, and then I believe at that point we'll turn back and read some passages from uh, the New Testament. We, no, no, I think we continue with Jeremiah, Lamentations, and uh, Lamentations, and uh, uh, yeah, after the book of Lamentations. Now, Lamentations, of course, all of our readings now, both Isaiah and Jeremiah, are leading up to... The events uh, of the Book of Lamentations, the uh, the destruction of Jerusalem, Mm -hmm. and uh, the important date. What date was that? Five eighty six B C. Keep that in mind. These are key dates that for understanding of the Bible as a whole, the 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 biblical narrative from beginning to end. And one of those key dates is the date uh, that prompted the the Book of Lamentations, the Book of Mourning about the destruction of Jerusalem. Uh, And then, of course, the 70 years of exile, which we will read about and know about because of uh, what Isaiah's writings, he predicted uh, all through his book, especially the first 40 chapters, he has been talking and warning them of judgment, the uh, the coming judgment of God on the nation of Israel and their exile mm-hmm. into Babylon.
3: So one we'll... Thing, um, yeah. and one thing I go, thought ahead, that go ahead, was, ahead huh? Okay, well, uh, just kind of interesting in terms of context and historical is that, so Isaiah's contemporaries mm-hmm. and are Amos, Hosea, and Micah. And then just in terms of context, so if Isaiah is about 700 B.C., in terms of the rest of the world, or or thinking of for me, I'm a I'm a philosophy kind mm-hmm. of major. Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that is that a thing? <laughs> yes, Only yes. in philosophy would that be a kind of major. Uh-huh. Um, Four seventy BC is is Socrates, okay. and so Isaiah seven hundred BC. So not even three hundred years right later is is Socrates, and um, so after the fall, you know, which was mm-hmm. five. 60, uh, is that what you just said? Mm, yeah.
2: 586.
3: 586, sorry. Uh, and so uh, the Socratic method, philosophy, Greek philosophy, um, uh, Caesar, Augustus, Cleopatra, mm-hmm, all of mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. happens. Yes, that's uh, to follow. Alexander the Great.
1: Because there and was then, there was mm-hmm. Babylon, and then, of course, we even know from the biblical narrative then that uh, Babylon was defeated by the Medo-Persians. Mm-hmm. Uh, That's where Daniel's... Remember the finger writing on the wall? Mm -hmm. Um, I'm trying to remember. um, Something, something, Ufe Tarsin. Oh, I can't even remember the words anymore. Uh, I I used to have those memorized. But then he predicted that... And the very next day, uh, the Medo-Persians conquered uh, Babylon. And then um, you have the the series of emperors among them, Xerxes, Artaxerxes, Mm -hmm. you know, the... The, um, the Persian um, ruler who married um,
2: Esther, Esther oh.
1: and also who is featured in the movie 300. <laughs> right.
2: Yeah, right. Yeah.
1: That's, if you see yes. that movie, that was, uh, that was Xerxes um, who, yeah. that um, was defeated there by the Greeks. And then, of course, it was Alexander the Great, I believe, who defeated the, the Persian Empire. And of course as you just mentioned right. Stacy likes to put things in the in the I world, do. the global context, I which I think is very great.
3: interesting because then that ushers sure is. in the Roman Empire. I mean and that sets the stage for even our own current democratic republic. that exactly. uh, was informed by Socrates and the Socratic method. and I guess what made me really think of it is going through Isaiah and the readings. I mean, Isaiah is one of my favorite mm. writers. Oh, I mean yeah. he's just beautiful. Um so not passages. only his content but yes. he is
1: a the, the writing itself at yes. least as it comes it's to us evocative. in english is uh-huh. oh it's and, just beautiful
3: and, and and a lot of it is questions and so you know isaiah 40 You know, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand or marked off the heavens with the span of his hand uh, and hills on the scales? Who has directed the spirit of the Lord? It's just question after question, which is very Socratic. So Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. who knows that maybe Socrates was informed by Isaiah. It happens to be a
1: Hebrew Yes, Jews do that as I well. Uh, they Way answer a question of, with a question, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and Jesus did that, mm-hmm. of course. You, know, mm-hmm. you see, so it happens to be a a coincidence there between the uh, a, Greek yeah. uh, Socratic method and and the Hebrew Isaiah method. <laughs> uh, yeah, the Isaiah method. So we have already uh, completed some of our discussion of the Book of Isaiah. We read through the first forty chapters. And last week, that was our discussion—the uh, first thirty-nine chapters of Isaiah in general. Now, not, it is not that uh, the first thirty-nine chapters have no mention of redemption, of restoration, of hope, of encouragement. Uh, they do, in, in fact, um, in his very uh, calling in Isaiah chapter six. There's there's hope, and there's there's. Uh, inspiration and restoration for the future. But uh, generally speaking, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah uh, are given to Isaiah's pronouncements of judgment, warning of judgment coming up to um, both Israel, the ten tribes in the north, and Judah. Uh, because remember, um, Israel fell into uh, under uh, um, judgment to the Assyrians in 722 B.C. And so uh, um, Isaiah's ministry took place from 740 to 680. And so uh, even during his reign, his early ministry is when uh, the Assyrians came down from Nineveh, their capital, and uh, captured and took into exile the ten northern tribes. They were never returned. And the nation was never reconstituted, the northern ten tribes. They're called the ten lost tribes of Israel. Mm-hmm. But then, of course, he talks about the judgment, the coming judgment on uh, Judah in the south. And he also, in those chapters, the first 39 chapters, uh, announces judgment and warning for the nations surrounding Israel, um, the uh, Moab and Edom and other people groups you you can see the judgment against assyria uh there in chapter 10 so uh these but in chapter 11 he speaks of a branch a, a righteous branch that that will come from david's lineage so there are scattered throughout these pronouncements of judgment these reminders of restoration and particularly of salvation and restoration through a redeemer, a messiah. Uh, chapter twelve is one of these songs that you mentioned, mm-hmm. Stacy uh, Isaiah has some beautiful poetry and and songs in his writings, Chapter twelve, a song of praise for salvation, a message about babylon and and so on. We talked about all of these pretty much at length last week i hope it if there's some detail we, that you want to re- remember or bring us back to stacy well that's if you fine.
3: could i just real quickly especially when you talk about kind of prophecy and preaching and speaking judgment um how much and would uh or, or can you talk to a little bit um isaiah's so why would the nation of Israel at this point, if he's talking judgment and repentance, we talked about it a little bit before, repentance to them would have meant a return, so a turning away from their current idolatry and turning back to the Ten Commandments. And is that correct, would you say?
1: Yes, I, I, I think uh, Isaiah points out, and the prophets, uh, as you read through, as we read through the prophets, you'll see over and over again, they're calling them away From trusting and depending upon, relying upon uh, different uh, gods, as you might say, Mm -hmm. some of them talk about idolatry. Mm -hmm. Isaiah Isaiah mentions there's there's a there's a very clear section where he kind of makes fun of idolatry. Mm -hmm. Um, Where is that? I think I have it in my notes here. There's a passage where it's he makes fun of 44. idolatry and yeah. talks about how how ridiculous it is to uh, cut
3: down a tree, use half that, of it for wood that, that and then was, the other yeah. half as an idol. Say it again. <laughs> oh, cut down a tree, use half of it for wood or or, or fire cook, cook and food, cooking yeah. food, and then the other half you make into an idol and worship and it. And worship it. <laughs>
1: yeah. So Isaiah <laughs> has a little of sense of humor there. I do think with as money, well. Actually. So there's one thing. There's a constant worry about idolatry uh who you uh, worship a tree or worship creation or the stars or the queen of heaven that and then there are also times when he calls away calls them away from depending upon uh international alliances that they uh, that 's one of the things we look in chapter thirty nine and and, mm-hmm. and I know you have something to share there, but uh, we can maybe go back to chapter thirty nine quickly and and remember Hezekiah during his reign entertained some visiting dignitaries from Babylon before Babylon rose as a great power mm-hmm. and he shows them all the riches of of Jerusalem he shows them their their gold and their silver and their temple and all and and then the prophet goes to him and said who were they where were they from what did you show them and then he tells him they're going to be the ones they're going to take this nation into uh, into bondage. Mm-hmm. And that's in um, chapter thirty-nine. They receive um, uh, Merodach Baladon, son of Baladon, king of Babylon, sent Hezekiah his best wishes and a gift, and they sent uh, uh, some envoys from Babylon that Hezekiah uh, entertained and showed them all these things. And and uh, he is warned by the prophet, "Listen, you know they, they are going to." Mm-hmm that very nation is going to come and carry off Mm -hmm. israel into bondage
3: i think what i wanted to maybe get a little or push into a little bit was um well i think ultimately the the thing is kind of a humbleness and a humility because with repentance i guess i'm just trying to put myself in the in the nation of israel at the time and if isaiah is I, I, my and temptation, what you're wondering
1: is what what would that have meant to them? Right.
3: What would that have meant to them if Isaiah is saying judgment, repent, or you know there will be if um, and for mm. the nation of Israel in particular, it would have. I I am I feel or would think that repentance would be equated with a nostalgia in a way and going back to the way things were. And in 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 that sense, it would be a little bit small minded and insular, as if it was always only about that nation group and their laws that were given to them and i'm not saying that which and and of course it is a beautiful people and it's a rich culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and amazing things that god did with them and the special unique relationship that he had with them Mm -hmm. at the same time you talked about always it was never always only about israel the people the nationality the nation and i would say maybe we can get into trouble when we think of ourselves even and we'll take it personal Mm -hmm. um when we think of repentance even in our personal life as merely a nostalgia and a going back it's not merely a nostalgia and a going back or returning to a youthful innocence it's a completely a complete turnaround i don't know take if you could maybe take that a little bit and talk to you um it was how isaiah in his call to repentance was never a national a national nostalgia and return back but a a a bigger, a, a, soul, a call to the soul <laughs> as yeah. opposed to the call to the well, nations. Individuals to
1: turn back to God, to get, okay. get back to the temple, get, bring your sacrifices, bring, obey the laws that mm-hmm. God had given them at that time mm-hmm. and coming back to trusting God not in idols and gold and silver or wood or whatever, false gods and understandings or fate you know, whatever it might mm-hmm. be but or not through political alliances mm-hmm. trusting in the uh, in your in the Egyptians are going to come or and not just a call save to call you the way
3: you. things were or the way things used to be, you know, because yeah, for yeah. them, very real the way things were with mm-hmm. the Ten Commandments in the desert with most, you know, and so kind of the confusing right. nationality and a nostalgia for true repentance, yes. And I think at the heart of that is a lack, perhaps. I mean, I know in my own life, I won't speak to them because mm-hmm. I don't, but my own life. It's a it's a lack of humility, kind of seeing my own self as perhaps more important, and my own life and the circumstances as more valuable than 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 true repentance.
1: Everything you're saying is bringing to my mind passages from Isaiah. Exactly, all of and this he he speaks to every bit of it. Servanthood,
3: yeah. and then of course speaking ultimately to the coming Messiah. And all along, servant, humble—that you know the pump, yeah, one that, solitary life that we talked about. And, the humble,
1: and, broken mm-hmm. servant. Uh, <laughs> uh, now that is another characteristic. Uh, and I was just saying, uh, and we are kind of giving a, a recap here of Isaiah one through thirty-nine. Essentially, is talking about judgment. So, and it, and it, and the idea that Isaiah presents. Uh, in terms of, of a hero, a Messiah, a redeemer, a deliverer, it's called the righteous branch, a righteous judge, um, this uh, other imagery that is given that, that is always God is going to deliver through the seed of Abraham. Not the seeds, not plural, but in, in speaking of Messiah, uh, Isaiah it, of all, all of the books of all the Hebrew Scriptures, Genesis through the Tanakh, uh, through the Pentateuch, the Torah, all the way through the Prophets, it's always pointing to God's ultimate redemptive plan for for all of human humanity, not just about Israel, mm-hmm. not just about that people group, as Stacy has just called us and reminded us. But uh, he's always, but it, this Redeemer, this Savior, is presented as a suffering servant uh, a humble broken suffering servant and that's one of the great themes of Isaiah is the redemptive uh, the redemptive characteristic of suffering how uh, it maybe picks up a little bit on the theme of job the role the place of suffering in our role mm-hmm. in our minds as human beings but the suffering servant, Uh, who would come but also he would be he is characterized as a conquering king righteous judge the righteous branch and so so we have these these twin almost contradictory views of this hero this messiah this deliverer who is going to be at the heart of god's ultimate redemptive plan for all of humanity i wanted to read a a verse there that you just reminded me of um is the uh, fi- chapter forty nine? In other words, the first thirty nine chapters are about warning of judgment and, and so on. Uh, not not totally. There are some passages of, of hope and, and de- rem- deliverance and reminder of God's redemptive nature and plan for them. Uh, but also, the chapter forty through sixty six. Now, the final twenty seven chapters are going to be, uh, generally speaking, uh, futuristic, and they're talking about. Uh, the not only the the plan that God is going to take them into bondage and they are going to be judged, but there will be a restoration. There'll be a savior. There'll be a redeemer. Even Cyrus the Great, in, in the 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 ultimate the the medo Persian emperor, who actually is the one uh, a century century later who or two centuries later who re, who allows Israel to return to. Uh, the people of Israel, to return to Israel from bondage. He even mentions him by name. Uh, The name Cyrus is brought up, and uh, that is very intriguing to me. I'm I'm curious about what the word Cyrus means. Maybe one of our listeners could call us tonight. Does anyone know the meaning of the word Cyrus? You could give us a call if you'd help us out that way, 210-340-9585. That's one question we have for you. 210-340-9585. 210-340-9585. I'm curious myself, what is the meaning of the word Cyrus? I've been meaning to look that up, and I just haven't gotten it uh, done. But look at chapter 49, verse 6. One thing that this this Redeemer, this Savior would do, and he's talking in chapter 49 about the Lord's servant, uh, this Redeemer, this Savior. We're talking about Jesus here, Jesus of Nazareth, the Messiah, who came centuries later? He has commissioned there a beautiful, beautiful passage in chapter forty-nine about uh, the Messiah, uh, and then he says, uh, "the the the one who the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be His servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to Him." We're talking about Jesus. The Lord has honored me and given me strength. Uh, you will do, but listen," he says. "You will do more than just restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth." Uh, kind of highlighting that that what you just mentioned that it was always it was always bigger than just a people group, than just Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the ten sons of Jacob and the people that descended from them. That would is they, Israel.
3: Uh, would, is, would, would the people of at the time have been offended at that?
1: No, they understood that. Okay. They always knew that it was, all, this is what I understand from, from uh, of course, Jacob, one of the great things that I, our, our um, co-host for many years, Jacob, taught, that it was never just about mm-hmm. Israel. There was an earthly Covenant that God made with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and the lineage and their lineage and Solomon and David, uh, there was an earthly covenant He made with them as an earthly people group to 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 trust Him, obey Him, and follow Him and be faithful to Him, and God would bless them and prosper them. That we see, uh, and uh, there was an earthly, and that He would bring the Messiah through them. Mm -hmm. That was an earthly aspect of God's covenant with Israel, but it was always, always bigger. It was always all of humanity. There was a spiritual covenant that that the earthly covenant is a picture of that and carried out. But then there was, there was an aspect of it, which all the, all the people I will, you know, I will be their God. They will be my people. God is calling out of all of humanity a people for Himself, and so that's what uh, the re- the Messiah here, the Redeemer, serves in both of those functions, uh, and that he we're told here that he would he would be, uh, uh, be a light to the Gentiles and bring salvation to the ends of the earth, and of course that's one thing for sure. Jesus of Nazareth has introduced more human beings from around planet Earth to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, to, than any other human being, uh, he he has spread the knowledge of the true and living God around planet Earth, uh, and that that is a very very important truth. We do have a caller. I don't know if we have time to take a call right now. I hope that you'll hang on, Franklin. Please stay on the line there through. We're going to take a quick break Hi, in Franklin. just a moment, and then we'll we'll oh! take your call right after we come back. Again, our phone number is two 210- ten. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. This is the Bible Live. I'm Soapy. Stacy is here with me, my daughter and friend and sister in Christ, and we are talking about the Book of Isaiah tonight. We'll pick up and go now. Uh, talk about these last 27 chapters the characteristics of them and we have some chapters to bring to you as well so if anyone can give me the uh, meaning of the word Cyrus I would that would be helpful to me I, I was curious about it earlier this week when I was studying these passages and listening and I, I forgot to look it up for sure we'll be back in just uh, just a very brief time don't you dare go away come back and stay with us throughout the program the Bible live
2: You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. I so praise Him for His thy health, and salvation. All oh, ye he who hear, now to His temple come near. Join me in glad at You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, praise Peace to praise the you. Lord.
1: Beautiful, beautiful hymn. Thanks, John. Some great music. In and out. Aretha Franklin yes. singing, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. Well, that, that's a great out. Good bumpers this evening. You're listening to the Bible Live. Our phone number is 210-340-9585. We are <laughs> focused a little this evening on the final chapters, the last 27 chapters of the book of Isaiah. These were our subject of our reading over this last week. (laughs) So if you'd like to call in, ask a question, a comment about those passages, or any theme, biblical theme about the Bible, about the God of the Bible, about what it means to walk and know that God, uh, we're glad to be here for you and uh, would welcome your phone call, 210-340-9585. And another Franklin, (laughs) I guess continuing our theme, right, of Franklins is on the phone with us right now, and I am glad you're with us, Franklin. Thanks for calling in. Hello,
0: you fabulous Sophie yeah. Dollar. Oh, and your beautiful daughter as well. Oh, exactly. My, my. Oh, yes, thank you. turning both it on to the family. It. Hallelujah. Thank you. Joy brother. for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're well, enjoying it. I got an answer to your question. Yes. Oddly enough, uh, as it was quite common in, in, in that Time and, and among rulers, Cyrus means sun. The rulers, it seems, the, especially the big ones, always wanted to call themselves after the most obvious heavenly body, and so Cyrus means sun.
1: Oh, you're talking about S-U-N.
0: S-U-N, yes, uh-huh, not uh-huh. S-O-N, but S-U-N, the sun. Okay. No, they were heathens. <laughs> <laughs> right. But. But uh, 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 God did work with them okay. until they absolutely uh, uh, turned away, and uh, even then, he he tried to correct them. I mean, you know, it's not much fun eating grass in the field, but right. still,
1: uh, a lesson was learned. Talking about Nebuchadnezzar now, right? Yeah, indeed, indeed. In the field, yeah. God, you is it's it's uh, interesting to me, uh, uh, Franklin, that. Yes, uh, you have Nebuchadnezzar, who became, like as you said, there was a time in his life when he was stricken and became, I, I don't know, some kind of a mental uh, condition or depression or something. Yeah. And, he, and uh, then he came back from that. God used Babylon and then the Medo-Persian Empire following it to a great extent. Yeah. You talk about um, uh, Xerxes, Artaxerxes, who who allowed Nehemiah to go back. Uh, That's correct. Uh, after, but but Cyrus is the one that Isaiah here mentions in um, chapter forty-eight. He mentions him by name, and I've I, and I meant to this week go back. I think the word "son." I think uh, there seems to be a little ambiguity about the word uh, the name Cyrus. Uh, Lord, it's related somehow to the Greek word kyrgios, uh, Lord, uh, Yeah, or,
0: or kor- huh. yes, uh, that too. But uh, it, it it means uh, son and also uh, uh, helper. Interesting. Uh, one who helps.
1: Yeah, that's what he said in chapter uh, 48, verse 14. It says, uh, listen to me, O family of Jacob, Israel, my chosen one. I alone am God, the first and the last. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth, my right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they are all appear in order. Have any of your idols? And that's a passage that makes us think that the stars are often meant uh, thought of as the, the, the angels. Remember when the angels yeah. appeared before God in, in the book of Job? and Satan Uh among them. Uh, When I call out the stars, they all appear in order. Have any of your idols ever told you this? Come, all of you, and listen. The Lord has chosen Cyrus as his ally. And uh, with the word you used, helper, has chosen Cyrus as his ally. He will use him to put an end to the empire of Babylon and to destroy the Babylonian armies. I am calling Cyrus. I will send him on this errand and help him succeed And that he will be the one that that invites chapter 48 there, that allows the people of Israel to return from their exile, the 70 years of exile in Babylon, to return. And, And as you know, probably, Franklin, you sound knowledgeable on this theme, this ideal of exiling, taking people out of their country, particularly the ruling class. Uh, in this in this case, you have Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. All of those were princes of Israel They yes. were part of the Davidic lineage, and they yeah so, they
0: were high in the tribes.
1: So what these emperors would do is they would remove anyone who might be a threat, who might be uh, upwardly mobile to become a king, uh-huh. or that would be a threat. They would remove them, either kill them, or in this yeah. case, remove them, take them into exile. Uh, and at times, they would. Put other people back into that land. That's what happened in Samaria in the north.
2: They
0: would resettle it. Yes. yes, and and that that tradition carried down even into the Middle Ages, uh, when when uh, uh, people that were uh, possibly opposed uh, uh, dukes in the, in the feudal system, mm-hmm. their children would be uh, mentored yes. or uh, sent out to the uh, the rival uh, king or. Uh, ruler, the next one up in the rung, and uh, so that's been a, a common political move for, yes, well, thousands of years.
1: Exactly, but they would never, it was, what was very uncommon is for them to be, allow them to return.
2: Yes, that yes, never that's done. true.
1: And, and that's, of course, the, the amazing thing in this instance is that possibly under the influence of Daniel... Uh, over there, remember, Daniel was taken into by Nebuchadnezzar into Babylon. Possibly, Daniel had a long, very influential, powerful influence over uh, Persia, and, and during the reign of five yeah. different empire emperors, and possibly under the influence of of Daniel and his information, Cyrus became aware of this prophecy from Isaiah and fit into and for some reason fit into it. that's what some at least conjecture that it was Daniel who made him aware of this and, yes and, and and caused this this happening, this event. of course ultimately it was God himself uh, who did that yeah, but, and uh, of course it's amazing.
0: you referenced you referenced uh, that uh, God uh, put the planets and the stars and everything in, in their order and all. Uh, you have to look at the Chaldeans, who were basically invented astronomy and astrology. They used it to predict uh, what was coming. Right. And Daniel was also tied in with the Chaldeans uh, simply because he, he was able to interpret dreams and things like that. So he had a lot of interaction with that uh, particular uh, subject people. Uh, of, of Babylon,
1: isn't it interesting, Franklin? And 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 I won't keep you much longer. I'm tempted to keep you just here as a co-host of the program. Here, okay. you're so knowledgeable. But isn't it interesting that Babylon takes on almost a dual role sometimes in Scripture? You have Babylon presented in some ways as uh, uh, as god is seeking yes there are astrologers they i mean and, and i'm talking about i'm not talking about astrology like we have today but uh, the studying of the stars and the understanding of like uh,
0: interpretation of dreams yeah, and omens sort of and, and reading entrails and stuff like that yeah
1: you have babylon in some way at times being pictured a little bit on the positive side of that uh, and, and receptive uh, particularly under the influence mm-hmm. of, of of daniel and others and the, the prophets yeah. of god and so on and then you have, babylon is also presented uh, ultimately as the great enemy of God and God's people and god's redemptive plan uh, you know the babylon great harlot in, in the book of revelation yes. it's in Revelations, yes i find yeah, that that kind it will of fall very, very
0: yes interesting. Well, you know, it, it, there's a duality there that uh, uh, is very interesting. It shows that God can use everyone. Of course, you know, he, he condemns in the Bible the astrologers, the readings, the the tea leaf readers, the palmists, uh, all the people that try to predict and read the omens and everything like that, Right. which would be the Chaldeans. Uh, but then there are certain people, the prophets and Daniel and others, that... He allows, by his grace, to uh, pass his message along to where it will do the most good. God's plan is marvelous. Wow.
1: And his power is so all-consuming. I <laughs>
0: wish I could get my mind around it. I oh, keep asking yeah. God to show me what he wants me to do in his plan. And Would you pray for me for that, that he'll show me what he wants me Amen, to do?
1: And I will. Franklin, God, I, I ask you this, this evening, our brother has called in, he's contributed to to our understanding of the scriptures, he's sharing from his heart his experience with you, and we do actually ask you right now in his favor, Lord, that you would glorify yourself and our Savior Jesus through Franklin's life, and that you would, even as you used uh, pagan and and uh, idolatrous leaders like the Pharaoh of Egypt and Cyrus here and others that, that weren't you even use those who oppose or try to oppose you to make to come out for good uh, in, in, in your redemptive plan. You are that great, uh, uh, a greater God. And so we pray that. I pray, I join my brother in prayer that you would show him and reveal him every day, even this very evening, that you have him in your hand, that you are guiding his life and his destiny, and that you are the one who... Uh, who forms each of us and guides us as we place ourselves in Your hands? I pray that He would have a great experience of that. That He would, by faith, He would lean back in Your strong arms and receive by faith that that truth about His life that You are guiding Him, the people He meets, the the jobs that He has, the the things that ha- happen to Him and His family around Him, and the the stretch of His influence and. Uh, his gifts to you, uh, Lord, just allow him to know that he is your servant. He belongs to you, and you are busy even now as we speak, glorifying yourself through him and through uh, his life. So I, I, I pray that for your sake, uh, by the merits of our, our Savior Jesus, and for His honor and glory, in His name we pray. Amen. 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 I'm Amen. To pray for you, Franklin, you. it's always a blessing. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, and that is exactly the prayer I needed to hear. Oh, Thank I'm you so, so much. So
1: glad of i glad that. I can't
0: tell you how much that means to me, Sophie. Th-
1: thanks for calling in, my you. friend. All right. Good to hear from Franklin this evening. You can do the same. Give us a call, 210-340-9585. You can contribute, uh, give an insight you have about God, his word, about Cyrus, about uh, uh, particularly we're focused a little bit tonight on the book of Isaiah, but you can you can join uh, any. A uh, theme that you'd just like. Just a few
3: quick things. Scripture-based, yes. Oh, well, I, I don't know how this fits in, but go I ahead, just honey. think it's interesting. And Franklin, if you're still listening, did you know that my dad's middle name is Frank? <laughs> There's one thing. <laughs> there you go. And then the other, which I just think, and speaking of redemption and speaking of, you know, even God working working through our attempts to understand uh, his plan and even in, invested or interested in the future and Of course we would be. I mean, it's very human to be, and I think he understands that. But anyway, I don't know if y'all knew this, but Dad's, um, you might might know this part of his story, but when Dad was a baby, he was abandoned in Albuquerque and taken in by a fortune teller. So the only mother he knew for the first five years Mm -hmm. was a fortune teller who probably just thought it would be interesting to have a little Native American Indian <laughs> baby who uh, for whom mm-hmm. and she passed him around to about 16 families before dad was even six years old but that was who you knew That's as right. a mother was right. and so I you know, who forgotten knows? about that I, I got a little, little bit detail. of that, uh, you, that fortune well, telling I stuff think, in my you know, there. and I think ultimately though it is a and who knows what happened in her life but Mm -hmm. It is a seeking, it is a seeking, you know, heart. I mean, um, and hopefully one day before she passed, she, she met her safe. She met who she was seeking. Yeah. But anyway, just, you know, I, I I
1: think I appreciate you saying that Stace really. uh, Mm -hmm. It is coming up from the topic we were just discussing, Mm -hmm. but yeah, her name was princess babe, Hawk, Mm -hmm. H-A-W-K. That was a stage name. She had a number of aliases. Uh, she was an unusual woman. She was married five times. Uh, she got me after uh, she was separated from her third husband. Uh, but anyway, she um, yeah, she was a fortune teller. Crystal mm-hmm. ball, tarot. I remember mm-hmm. the crystal ball as a little mm-hmm. boy uh, uh, and the tarot cards and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. But but it, there is hope. I, I do think there was – even after I came to faith in Christ mm-hmm. as an 8-year-old boy, uh, when I was 5, they put me into a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Cal Farley's Boys Ranch up near Amarillo, Texas. And I came to know Jesus when I was 8 years old, and I wrote – I have a copy of a letter mm-hmm. I wrote to her uh, telling her about Jesus and, oh. and telling, encouraging her. And she was already showing signs of um, – at time, one time she became a student at a Bible college out in California. Mm. So there could be a chance I'll see her again in glory someday uh, as my, as not only my mom, or she wasn't actually my biological mom, but, but uh, as the only mom I knew until I was yeah. five or six years and of and age. But she, as a sister in Christ, and hopefully. She,
3: this part of the story always touches me. She's probably one of the only only humans that knew who your biological mother was. Yep. She is the only one that. Uh, she, if she, she knew. If she knew. She may she have just found me. Him.
1: We yeah. we think she, th- that she probably knew the girl, but she may have just found me on the streets. Uh, we're not quite sure how. Uh, that exchange Yeah. Uh, that I came about down there, over <laughs> there in Albuquerque, but that's what happened. So there is a little bit of that strangeness. I've And, and I'll get off this topic. I uh, Sometimes I identify when we get into the book of Jeremiah this coming week, uh, you'll read that first chapters of Jeremiah. And maybe this is relevant to you, Franklin, and to others of you as you think about God's redemptive plan for your life and all. Uh, You know, Isaiah was uh, this great prophet of God. But when we get into Jeremiah, look what God says to him. Uh, The Lord gave me this message. I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as my prophet to the nations. And he says, oh, sovereign God, I I can't speak for for you, for I'm too young. Don't say I'm too young, God said, for you must go wherever I send you and say whatever I tell you. And don't be afraid of the people, for I will be with you and protect you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And see, I have put my words in your mouth. Today I appoint you to stand up. Oh, it's just beautiful. Mm -hmm. But the whole point is that at some stage, and and I was thinking of this the other day, I've often identified with Jeremiah in that sense as a young boy coming to know the Lord. Who would have ever thought a little what they used to call illegitimate baby uh, would come to know the Lord and come to follow the Lord and, and, and just... Oh, it's nothing about me at all. It's just God preserving and guiding me along in my life, and teaching me, and keeping me. And 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 then now we've been to thirty-five, forty mm-hmm. countries of the world, sharing yeah. the gospel message.
2: And
3: and I think wow. one of the sweetest um, parts too of that, testimony, and, and we will get you know bring it back to <laughs> Isaiah. But is that it wasn't necessarily, although the pastors and the uh, adults that influenced your life even. You know, although they were wonderful and mm-hmm, it was a mm-hmm. very Christian loving um, curriculum and home and teaching and Bible. It wasn't, though, that that ultimately brought, brought me you to, faith, to yeah. faith. It was the testimony of a fellow <laughs> rancher at this. <gets> me. <laughs> <laughs> this part gets me, teary, yeah. But it was his brokenness and it was his finding his savior and sharing with the other boys that he found that he found a father that, and it was that, yeah. and and the broken, and the experiences that had led him to that moment. I mean, yeah. what he had to have endured, you know, up until, and, and, and yet, shared. and it just, he, he is, he's yeah. such a redeemer. <laughs> exactly.
1: I was eight years old. I went to the boys' home when I was five. They keep you, until you're age eight, they keep you, in the smaller boys altogether, separate from the general population, uh, the bigger boys, older boys, and so on. all of the boys there are... They're from broken homes, broken experiences, drug addictions, abuses of all kinds. It, it's it's a rough, tough, It was, particularly in that era, rough, tough place in the 50s. And then when I was eight years old, they moved me into one of the larger dorms, uh, and I, I was in the room of a 16-year-old, kind of the big man on campus. He was the biggest, meanest kid on the ranch. His name was Danny Fletcher.
3: Hi, Danny. He had a <laughs> very...
1: Up had a very foul mouth and very just you know we were all kind of terrorized to be honest uh, I was in I was in his very room. there were six boys to a room, three bunk beds and uh, we were scared of Danny he uh, and you know he mistreated us he was he was a bully he was you know he was the big big man on campus uh, but just kind of filling in your story, Stacy, one day uh, Danny Fletcher changed. Uh, and it was just really from one day to the next, and nobody knew what happened. Uh, I was, of course, one of the first to notice because he he stopped me mistreating us, the younger boys, uh, who he would bully us and get us to do his work and all. But he was tying our shoestrings and being gentle with us and 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 you know encouraging. It, 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 he was totally just transformed. He was no longer the big braggart and the foul mouth. His language. Changed so much that we had a hard time understanding, <laughs> <had> understanding him. <laughs> him for a while. He, he, he was so used to all the curse words, but his life changed so much. And everybody on the ranch noticed it. Mm-hmm. And about two weeks or two, three weeks later, uh, one night in our evening, uh, what we called Singspiration, our evening chapel meeting, uh, the chaplain stood and said, A lot of you have been asking about Danny Fletcher, what mm-hmm. happened to him. Uh, he's and and uh, so I've asked Danny tonight and to come and tell you a little bit about some things that's going on in his life. And he, like you said, Stacy, he got up and said, uh, among other things, he was he was a guy of few words. You know, he he didn't go on and on, but he just said, "I have decided to give my life to Jesus Christ." And to and it just hit like a bomb. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, we were just stunned into silence in the chapel that evening. There were about a hundred of us boys. Uh, and it was just wow. And in and in the weeks just after that, a uh, number of weeks and months after, that, just one after the other, the big boys, the football team, the you know, all the athletes, the bigger guys, the juniors and seniors and high, they began to turn their lives over to Christ as well. And I was caught up in that moment of revival yeah. as a five year as a as an eight year old boy. And uh, it was under that influence. Uh, mm-hmm. Danny d- went on. He graduated. Went to Bible college. He went to help start another boy's ranch for homeless and delinquent boys up in Missouri. Uh, and he worked there for years, and then he went, became a public school teacher, lives in Dallas now, and uh, still serving and loving God, And uh, but it was under his influence. Mm-hmm. And, and I like to remind him of that. <laughs> Anything goes wrong, it's your fault, Danny. <laughs> but no, uh, oh. he, 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 you're right, Stacy. Uh, wonderful chaplains and pastors through the years and other mentors and guidance, mm-hmm. but it was the influence of a sixteen of sixteen year old boy who had come to faith in Christ that, mm-hmm. and I saw the change in his life. That was what brought me to faith, as well. Well, uh, now moving from Jeremiah, now back to Isaiah. Okay. <laughs> uh, that's where we are tonight in the book of Isaiah. Uh, now, Isaiah is one of the most quoted books in the New Testament. Uh, new te- uh, in the New Testament. Passages from Isaiah, he is quoted or cited 85 times in the New Testament. Uh, that's 61 uh, separate passages. passages. Mm-hmm. Uh, some, sometimes uh, there are Repeat. multiple uh, uh, quotes or citing of a given passage. 61 different passages, uh, and uh, there are, let me see, 23 that came from chapters 1 through 39, and 38 uh Quotes that came from chapters forty through sixty-six. We've already talked about how Isaiah is broken, generally speaking, into those these sections: uh, 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 chapters one through thirty-nine, judgment and warning, and so on, and chapters forty through sixty-six uh, about redemption and restoration and salvation. Uh, those general general themes. So uh, Isaiah is a very influential, very powerful influence in his time. In which he lived, he, he he ministers through the six decades. In fact, uh, seven forty to six eighty B.C. Uh, under I think uh, five different kings of Israel uh, 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 or Judah, and so he um, he very very influential, powerful servant of God. Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I, I love that you just ahead, said. Honey. Well, sure, I, I, lo- I think that does sum it up. You, what you just said, powerful servant. Of God. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is somewhat the theme of, I, of, I, I yep. say, in a way, especially the second half, but the oxymoron kind of, of um, power and servanthood.
1: Servanthood. And that's, we'll come back and in our final theme. We'll talk about this idea that there's this dual, this double view of the Messiah, this Redeemer, this Savior, the human As a suffering mm-hmm. servant and then other as a conquering king. Right. And, of course, obviously in the time of Jesus, uh, many were looking to, for the suffer, for the conquering king to, to liberate them from Rome, but, but they didn't recognize the Messiah who came for, first as a broken, suffering servant who purchased our redemption. We'll concentrate a little bit on that theme as we come into our final segment of the program. 210-340-9585, that's our phone number. We'd love to hear from you. Here on the Bible Live. Don't go away.
0: This is the Bible Live with Sophie Dollar. How do you keep a biblical perspective in a pandemic? The books of the Bible, time tested and reliable. Scripture has a power that's undeniable. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah you're, and Nehemiah. you're listening to the Bible live with Soapy Dollars, Ecclesiastes. Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah Lamentations,
2: Ezekiel, Daniel Isaiah,
1: Jeremiah Let's stop there, All right, That's where we are right now in our Bible reading Our journey through the Scriptures every year We make our way through from the beginning to end Genesis to the maps, as they say And right now we're looking at the book of Isaiah tonight Uh, That was our reading for this past week Uh, We read, if you go to Uh, am630theword.com, you can find our podcast there, or you can go to thebiblelive.com, and you can hear our readings of the Scriptures. This last week, our schedule had us reading the the final chapters, chapters 40 through 63 of the book of Isaiah. We'll finish the book of Isaiah uh, tomorrow. If you go to our website there, you'll find the podcast. Our reading for tomorrow is from Isaiah uh, 64 through 66. We'll finish up the book. And then on Tuesday, we start the book of Jeremiah. We'll move right on Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations. All of these three books are moving toward now, toward the uh, time when, that God has appointed that he is going to judge uh, Judah, Uh in the, in the south, the tribes of Judah, now the tr- ten northern tribes are already taken into exile in 722 B.C. by Nineveh, the uh, Assyria, but now he, they are being told and warned that they will be taken into uh, bondage and to exile by Babylon. And Isaiah uh, preaches that, and of course Jeremiah picks up the theme, and Jeremiah is the prophet, he's called the weeping prophet, because he is the one that actually is exercising his ministry when Jerusalem is actually destroyed and the prophecies become uh, reality so uh, that's that's what we're looking at in the next uh, this week in the next couple of weeks as well we're looking at the God's warning to the people of Israel about that experience and also in it though there are these these messages of redemption and restoration and hope for salvation uh, that that we find and that is it is, it is so beautiful. We one thing I think we want to communicate tonight, Stace, all together is just remind folks that if you're brand new to the Bible, and we want you to, we, we're trying to make it help make it sense, make sense to you, and that you you could you could open it and understand it, and get it in its historical context, and know. But the the important thing is the big overriding story. Of all these stories about Israel and these other nation groups and this army rising against that army and so on, all of these individual incidents, they have meaning and they have teaching and they have wisdom and and lessons for us in them. But the big overriding story is the story of this Redeemer, this Savior, this Messiah who will come. And who will become the redeemer and the savior, the deliverer of of all, all of humanity, all of those who would love Him and trust Him, and and uh, acknowledge Him and trust in Him, that we then can have a confident, secure, eternal relationship with our creator with god himself and this is people from all people groups all nations and backgrounds and languages uh male and female slave and free whatever all of these different backgrounds, however divisions we are we become in our faith through our faith in christ in jesus the messiah we become the people of god we be- we become israel uh, in the big sense The people of God that he has called out of the human race.
3: So he's making himself known through his word, and he's making himself known to the point that then he actually comes, Emmanuel, God with us. Exactly. And and
1: that's right from Isaiah. mm -hmm. What is that, 61? He is first called Isaiah, Emmanuel. (laughs) uh, Or is that chapter... yeah, what was it? Chapter six, there he says his name is Emmanuel. He will be called yeah. Emmanuel, God with us. Um, yeah, that's that's Isaiah exactly. Um, so anyway, yeah, yeah, that, that that's the point is that uh, there there are these levels uh, of understanding. You know, there, there's an immediate. Level in that moment that God is talking to the nation of Israel, the people calling them to repentance and to trust in Him, not in idols and not through uh, uh, political uh, uh, alliances with with Assyria or with this mm-hmm. one or with Egypt or that one. That, that instead to trust in God Himself.
3: And just because
2: mm-hmm.
3: maybe Christmas is kind of coming soon, yeah, I am going to yeah. read it. I'm going to read it. Uh, it's it's Isaiah nine six. For to us a child is born; to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Isaiah. Uh, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Isaiah. so good." Yeah, he
1: did good. He... Oh, Merry Christmas! Yeah. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that
3: in August? <laughs> uh, yes,
1: yes, very good. <laughs> there we go. Uh, so, anyway, th- 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 that's the exciting thing about the scriptures is that. Y- y- you can see the immediate application, the immediate context. You can see God at work mm-hmm. in that context through that prophet it, it, with the king in that time and that moment and the, the state of the nation and the state of the world in that moment, and you see God at work. But then everything points upwards, upwards. Everything is consistent as well, as well with the ultimate redemptive plan of God, the, this servant uh, king, this uh, suffering servant Become, and conquering King uh, that dual nature that's what we were talking about as we took our final break there uh, is that throughout Isaiah you have this this almost conflicting or contrasting images of this Messiah one is a suffering if you look at Isaiah 53 one of the most beautiful and um, most not only cited in the Bible in the New Testament as well but uh, throughout the, the the Hallelujah Chorus, mm-hmm. uh, the, mm-hmm. the great poetry and great music throughout the centuries has pointed to Isaiah 53 um, as well. It talks about who has believed our message to whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm. My servant, there's that theme, my servant, my servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way, and he was despised, and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness Weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down, and we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. That reminds me of Jesus being whipped and, and, and tortured uh, in, in the uh, courtroom, in the courtyard there, in the temple, and by the Roman soldiers. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us mm-hmm. all. Mm-hmm. And look at that. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a, sh- a lamb to slaughter. And as a, as a sheep is silent before his shearers, he did not open his mouth. That was a characteristic of Jesus before Herod. Before the, his 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 accusers there at his death he did not open his he, his mouth he was silent before his accusers unjustly condemned he was led away no one cared that he died without descendants that his life was cut short in midstream he was struck down for the rebellion of my people what i mean honestly it's just it's just you could take that lift it from uh, the time of Isaiah and move it to the time of Jesus and uh it, it's a clear commentary uh, a picture of the work of Messiah uh, so there so we have do, go ahead, let's
3: eh? do move to then so Jesus and and most notably his uh, run in with Isaiah I guess the famous oh that's right talks. they met well what <laughs> Mean, no, it was
1: Elijah, um, Elijah and, and Moses 61. at the Mount. I, I'm talking about. Oh, the right. I'm, talking, I'm thinking about the Mount of uh, Transfiguration, but that was That's Elijah.
3: Different it, famous
1: running. Yeah, <laughs> the different guy. But yeah, uh, Jesus did have a touch. Uh, a reading uh, from
3: yes. Isaiah. Y- you want to remind us? Well, sure. So, uh, so in his um, reading. It, I guess you were telling me he went back to Nazareth,
1: his hometown. And this would have been Where after his. Chapter... Min- this would have
3: been after Luke twenty-two. Uh, this would have been after his ministry had already started. Is that correct? Uh-huh, yes. So uh-huh, when he uh-huh. goes back, uh-huh. he will have already had started his ministry. Would already have been a fairly well-known teacher, but uh, so, but not a, a Pharisee or Sadducee, not a rabbi in that sense. But he would have had disciples. He went back to Nazareth. He's asked to read. <coughs> The uh, um, the scriptures and he reads Isaiah sixty one one. Uh-huh. and it says on this day this is found been, in
1: Luke chapter four in the Luke New four. Testament okay. maybe it, maybe yeah, it is another sorry. book of the Bible, of the no, New right. Testament as well but Luke chapter four mm-hmm. Jesus returns to his hometown Nazareth mm-hmm. now he was born in Bethlehem of course they went down into Egypt to escape the uh, the uh, repression, the oppression by Herod, and then he came back and moved to the hometown of Nazareth, which is where uh, I guess um, Joseph, Joseph was from, right? Mary. And so of his parents. So Jesus returns to Nazareth. Uh, they recognize, oh wow, we have a we have a honored guest among us today. He went to Sabbath meeting mm-hmm. at the at the synagogue, and they took the scroll of, of the reading for that day, and they honored Jesus. They gave the scroll to him. To uh, read the the passage for that day, now the background is in, in all across Judaism around the world, there is a reading every Sabbath for a a reading from the Torah, mm-hmm. and then a reading from the prophets, a companion reading, uh, but they were forbidden during the time of Jesus. The Romans had forbidden them to read the Torah, and so uh, that 's why we have Jesus here only reading. The companion reading from Isaiah chapter 61. And uh, y- you've read that uh, before, folks. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has appointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. Uh, and this is, of course, Isaiah 61. Jesus reads that and he puts down the scroll. <laughs> Oh, boy, I would love to have been here then in that moment. He reads that passage. He rolled up the scroll, it says, in Luke 4, handed it back to the attendant and sat down. All of the eyes of the synagogue looked at him intently, and then he began to speak, The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. <laughs> Oh, whoa uh, i mean i bet that was just a shocker mm-hmm. i mean i'm sure they'd heard that passage before. started writing <laughs>
3: that down really quickly <laughs> what, what, what did, did you, you say what did
1: he say oh you can imagine right all the little the little <laughs> scholars wow you can read about it luke chapter four a powerful passage uh one of the times that one of these 85 times that the book of isaiah is cited in the new testament That's there's some other...
3: speaking to that paradox mm-hmm. there you know he doesn't it doesn't when he says the scriptures have been fulfilled here this day it's not we'll come back we'll conquer we'll overtake the government we'll bring it back it, it is we'll we'll uh you know we'll bring good news to the poor of healing the brokenhearted proclaim liberty to the captives freedom to the prisoners it is uh yep it it's a, it's it's to the people like i don't that's know, a, I don't,
1: that's the role of this this faithful servant mm-hmm. uh who who uh, this just Judge This righteous judge, this righteous branch, all of these things is that uh, he, he, all of these images that 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 the Messiah is going to take up and be that he's the government upon his shoulder. He'll be he'll ultimately rule. Uh, 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 among the people of God, mm-hmm. and, and uh, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess. In the Book of Philippians, chapter two, mm-hmm. that's also a quote from Isaiah. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the, the God the Father. So, all of those themes come out. You can find those. You, you can cross-reference if you want from Philippians two. You'll find that quote, and then you you look in your your cross references in the margins there, and you'll find. Where that? Let me see if I can find it real quick. I'll just give you an example of um, every niche about and uh, confess. While
3: you're doing that, I went real quick. To, wanted to also. So at this point, Isaiah 45. Okay, Isaiah 45. At this point, well, uh when now Isaiah would have already have died. Is that right? Uh, we're by, not
1: quite sure that okay. we're, it, it's. Um, we're not
3: by Isaiah 60, uh, And now going back to 700, you know, BC Isaiah's time. So he would have written this or not and his just dis- he he,
1: well, he died in 680 okay um
3: by being s- sawn in
1: half sawn in half the, the tradition says that the he tradition. is the one spoken of in the book of hebrews chapter 11 of you know it says some were of uh, the prophets were sawn in half oh. and that the the wicked king manasseh uh is said had the prophet isaiah sawed in half um so it could have been. This was written from his sermons okay. by his by other prophets in his school. A mm-hmm. uh, that he was mentoring and discipling. Mm-hmm. Um, but the style I, I is, where, where is so consistent.
3: Yeah. Though I just kind of uh, the style is kind of so consistent. And I also just thought that was a really interesting little tidbit that the tradition is that Isaiah was on. And I did not know that, and it makes. Isaiah just more special yeah. special to me. Well, these I guess, guys they took it on the through. chin.
1: These prophets, this was not a, an easy role. Mm. Uh, they had to courageously like not Nathan the prophet that stood in front of David and said, "Thou art the mm. man. You're the you know there's this neighbor who. Had a lot of sheep, and he took the sheep of his neighbor, and he's, oh, that terrible person. He goes, you're that person. It
3: does show that (laughs) we think of that as, um, it does show the heart of David, though. I mean, just to see that in context, I mean, in those days... Not all kings were as kind or repentant no, or humble right. as David. I mean, Manasseh was approached, and he saw Isaiah yeah. in half. And I you mean, see
1: this this final king, even Jeremiah, will read about that. He delivers his message to the king, and he's, he's reading his message. He's got it written, and he, after he reads a page of his message to the king, he hands it to the king, and the king rips it up right in front of him. Mm. You know, and, and Isaac, you know Jeremiah was put down into a cistern. And these guys took mm-hmm. it on the chin; mm-hmm. they had to be courageous. But <clears throat> what powerful insights they had! Uh, well, our, we, our time is speeding by. There's there's some wonderful passages I don't mind commenting on. If anyone would like to give us a call, two ten three four zero ninety five eighty five. We've talked about Isaiah, how that. Uh, uh Isaiah says that God has chosen Cyrus, uh, this man named Cyrus, who became the emperor over the Medo-Persian Empire. And he was used by God to allow the people of Israel to return to Israel. We allowed the Jews to return to Israel, uh, and which was a very unusual thing to happen. Uh, uh, amazing. And this was predicted and prophesied uh, well over a century before Cyrus is even born. Oh, what else do we have? Um, oh, there's a couple of passages that I think are so interesting. Uh, Isaiah actually speaks to atheists. He he warns people in his book about uh, I- idolaters uh, worshiping, you know, a piece of wood or a piece of metal or you know that kind of or the stars or the sun and the moon, the queen of heaven, and all that sort of thing. Or he he warns them about uh, idolatry of idol, you know. Uh, uh, forming uh, alliances, trying to trying to find your safety and your prosperity in uh, in political alliances or in riches, or in, you know. And of course, we as Americans, we have to understand that our as God's people here in this nation, and I hopefully we're getting this that we need to trust in God, we're not in science. Uh, it doesn't mean that we're anti-science, but not in science. Science, true science, comes from God Himself, the Creator. Uh, not in other nations and forming military alliances, not in NATO and this one and that one, not in our powerful, powerful economy. Uh, All of these are are realities, but our faith and trust must not be in them, but in the true and living God. That's a great message for us as well. But uh, Mm -hmm. one of the things I was looking at this week, that uh, Isaiah even has a word for those who, you know, here in our country, we talk about people of, of faith, and people of this faith, of that faith, of that religion, of this religion, or of no religion. And Isaiah actually addresses, um, in chapter 50, verse 11, he talks to about, uh, let me see if I can find it, i got 49 here, chapter 50, verse 11. Look what Isaiah says, "'Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God.'" But watch out, you who live in your own light and warm yourselves by your own fires. This is the award you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. The idea of you know, we, we make our own, God, make ourselves our own, God, right. our own light. You know, right. we,
3: well, and I love it. You know, it's, it's, it's not as though he. It just will happen. It's and it's not a product of. He he doesn't want that to happen. No. it's just a we are un, in, incapable, yeah. and and it goes back to the that servant becoming leader. Blessed are the the poor, the humble, the and I I don't I go back to the theme for me kind of with Isaiah and even this period if with quarantine and so much isolation. You uh-huh. are tempted to how can I pick myself up? How can I? What can I do to make it all better? And I'll go. Well, I'm going to quote Tim Keller here real quick (laughs) because my pastor did it. So, well, I just to the theme of humility, and I love it's a Tim Keller quote. There's nothing more relaxing than humility, and in this, in that, that. (laughs) nice, and it's it's true. When you come to the end
1: of yourself, it's like a great relief. (laughs) It is, and
3: it's kind of back to that. You at the when it's the absolute worst, and you think it, it, and it really can't get much worse. In a way. That's when you actually are like, well, there's nothing. I I, the fight is over. What do they say? And no, where, no
1: place to look but up or no something place, like yes. that?
3: Yes, and um, I, I just, uh, I think that's a sweet reminder. And I, if you don't mind, I'm going to read one solitary life. Oh, I sure. think Isaiah would have been okay with it. Because oh yeah. Isaiah is so poetic, and I think he did appreciate music and song and poetry. We've turned so much of his into song, so.
1: Some of you may be... have heard of this. It was uh, It was written by uh, I've forgotten the pastor's name, James something other.
3: James Allen. You,
1: you can you can Google it, uh, one solitary life, yeah. and you get the history of it. But um, he wrote it and became well known uh, a poem about, or not really a poem, but a I I guess a, a, Pro- a, an essay in a way yeah. about this one solitary yeah. life.
3: He was born in an obscure village, the child of a peasant woman. He grew up in another obscure village where he worked in a carpenter shop until he was 30.
1: That would be Nazareth, right? Mm -hmm.
3: He never wrote a book, he never held an office, he never went to college, he never visited a big city, he never traveled more than 200 miles from the place where he was born. He did none of the things usually associated with greatness. He had no credentials but himself, he was only 33. His friends ran away, one of them denied him. He was turned over to his enemies and went through the mockery of a trial. He was nailed to a cross between two thieves. While dying, his executioners gambled for his clothing, the only property he had on earth. When he was dead, he was laid in a borrowed grave through the pity of a friend. Nineteen centuries have come and gone, and today Jesus is the central figure of the human race. I get teary again. <laughs> and the leader of mankind's progress, all the armies that have ever marched, all the navies that have ever sailed, all the parliaments that have ever sat, all the kings that ever reigned, put together, have not affected the life of mankind on earth as powerfully as that one solitary life.
2: One
1: life.
3: And it, it just—I mean, it, that its I, not I, only great <laughs> about
1: Jesus. I think, yeah. And who he was, and what God did in our Savior, and in causing us to admire him and respect him, and. It, Uh, just
3: uh, Mm -hmm. what he accomplished on our behalf is so amazing and when given not my will be done but yours that one solitary life but put in the hands of the all powerful creator god and what he can use and what he will do.
1: And that should bring hope to each and every one of us too, Stacy. right? Because you, God has your life in yeah. his hands. Just as we prayed for Franklin during this hour, mm-hmm. we can pray that for you. That you are, if you're a child of God, a servant of the, of the creator himself, he's got you in his hand, he has a plan, he has a destiny. And by the way, uh, you mentioned he was buried like a criminal in a rich man's grave. That also is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 53, (laughs) verse (laughs) 9. See you next week, folks, here on The Bible Live. Have a great week. God bless. God keep you. Be safe. Be well. The Bible
3: Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 9.30 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and The Bible Live Broadcast.
3: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.